Hi guys, this is new for me. I've never done this before, but I uh, thought I'd uh, answer the, the requests of many people to hear a little something on the Sunday. So, uh, bear with me if it's a little awkward, because it is to me, but uh, I want to talk to you today a little bit about plagues. The Bible's full of plagues. If you've never read the Bible, let me just tell you God is a plague-sending motherfucker. He's plaguing. You know the ten plagues of that he sent on Pharaoh. I mean, pretty cruel stuff. Boils and lice and um, uh, polluted water like Flint, Michigan. And, uh, and then ultimately he slaughters the firstborn male children in the land. Pretty serious stuff. I want to talk a little bit about world history and see how we get to this place of mythology where we believe in gods of plagues. And that really just goes back to ancient human humanity. Um, when humans started to raise to a consciousness of like wondering what's up above and what's down below, because nobody knew. Nobody knew what was under the ground they walked in. Nobody knew what stars were, those little dots of light. Nobody knew what was up there. But somewhere in the evolving human came this thought that somebody is out there and in control. And of course they anthropomorphized that, you know, that they gave it a human attributes. And so what would happen is evolution-wise from a from an anthropological point of view, when civilizations developed, they began to think like we are at the mercy of the gods that are up there. And understandably, when famine hit, when drought hit, they looked at the gods above and thought they must be unhappy with us. The gods are angry. Uh, consequently, as well, when things were going well, they thought, well, we must be doing something to please the gods, so let's please the gods. And that's how they would give first fruit offerings and they would make offerings to the god. And that got very, that, that got way out of control. I mean, when things got bad, they started getting desperate. They started giving blood offerings, animal offerings, human sacrifice. And evolved all the way up to the, you know, the, the female virgin. And then to infants. Throw it in the volcano to appease the angry God. That's why we're having a famine right now. Um, now, initially, the God or the gods were responsible, again, for all that was good and bad that happened in the world. Uh, it wasn't until a guy named Zoroaster, an Iranian, thousands of years ago, predating uh, not just Christianity, but Judaism, he founded what we call Zoroastrianism, and he was uh, from the region of Iran. And this guy had a huge impact on world religion because he began to describe God as only good, benevolent, right? Um, I like this dude. He was like, now, if there's a God... I'm choosing that this God is not capricious. He's benevolent. He's good. Well, how do we explain then the bad things that happened? Well, he birthed that, that this is a God of creation and create, and he created things, but some of the things he created went bad. So this God named Ahura Mazda, the creator, the benevolent God of all good, created, amongst other things, this creation called uh, Araman. And Araman went bad. 
and Araman became the the scapegoat, so to say, for all the evil that was happening in the world. And Zoroastrianism saw this as a dualistic battle, a conflict between good and evil, a good God and a bad, lesser God who was created. And, uh, and ultimately, in Zoroastrianism, the outcome is, is that the good God is going to defeat evil. And this is a pattern that we see throughout world uh, religions. Uh, the Jews, on the other hand, uh, they apprehended that idea of a all-powerful, sovereign God. The God of Judaism is in control of it. They, they were very strict monotheists. And they, like early humanity, believed that their God was in control of everything. So the God of the Jews was a God that rained down terror and horror and also rained down good. And that all had to do with obedience. If you're obeying your God, you're good. Listen, I'm going to read to you. It's kind of lengthy, but it's so freaking cool. I mean, it just tells us where humanity was at back then. Uh, it's from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So it's one of the first five books of Judaism, considered the most sacred books, considered and called the Torah. And this is Deuteronomy 28. This is uh, to the people of Israel about their God. Blessings for obedience, chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on earth. All these blessings will come to you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land will be blessed and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket, your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And the Lord will grant the enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction and flee to you from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on earth. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to you and your ancestors. The Lord will open up the heavens, rain, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, not too much, not too little, and to bless all the works of your hand. You will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. The Lord will make you head, not tail. If you pay attention to the commandments of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from the commandments I give you today, to the right or left, following other gods and serving them. Now, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God, and you do not carefully follow the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and in the country. Your basket and kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. 
You'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And the Lord will send on you curses, confusion and rebuke and everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil that you've done in forsaking him. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land that you are entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. The sky over your head will be bronze, the ground underneath you iron. The Lord will turn rain of your country into dust and powder. It will come down from the skies until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You'll come at them in one direction, but you'll flee from them in seven. You will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms of earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and wild animals, and there will be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will afflict you and the boils, uh, with the boils of Egypt and with tumors. Those are actually uh, hemorrhoids, uh, festering sores, and the itch from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. At midday, you will grope about like a blind person in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day, you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. You will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. You will build a house, but you will not live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will not even enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes. You will eat none of it. Your donkey will be forcibly taken from you and will not be returned. Your sheep will be given to your enemies and no one will rescue them. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation and will wear you uh, and will wear out your eyes watching them day after day, powerless to lift a hand. A people that you do not know will eat what your land and labor produce and you will have nothing but cruel oppression all your days. The sights you see will drive you mad. The Lord will afflict your knees and legs with painful boils that cannot be cured, spreading from the soles of your feet to the top of your head. I actually had that once. Jesus, it was called the chicken pox. I had it at 30. It was freaking gnarly. Um, the Lord will drive you and the king you, uh, you set over you to a nation unknown to you or your ancestors. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. You will become a thing of horror, a byword, an object of ridicule amongst the people where the Lord will drive you. You will so much, oh, you know what? I'm gonna end it here, because it just goes on and on and on. Oh, it gets worse, I gotta get this part right here. Um, Even in the most gentle and sensitive man amongst you will have no compassion on his own brother or wife he loves or his surviving children. And he will not give one of them any of the flesh of his children that he is eating. Okay, cannibalism now. You're gonna be cannibals. Uh, the most gentle and sensitive woman amongst you, so sensitive and gentle that she would not venture to touch the ground with the sole of her foot, will begrudge the husband she loves and her own son or daughter, that after birth from her womb and the children she bears. For in her dire need, she intends to eat them secretly because of the suffering your enemy will inflict upon you during the siege of your cities. So yeah, so uh, women... And men are eating their own children, their babies. Women are eating their afterbirth. Okay, so you can understand, perhaps, why a lot of people are not down with the God of the Bible. And I'm, and I'm one of them, okay? I don't believe the Bible is God's word. I don't believe the Bible is inspired. I think the Bible is an amazing and fascinating book about human history and how we've dealt in our environment and world with mystery. 
really, that it's, it's a mystery. Now, what I mean is, I don't know. Could God actually be doing these things? I suppose so. I can't prove he's not. I can't prove that he is. Is God good? I don't know. Is God bad? I don't know. Is he both? I don't know. Nobody knows, right? So this book is fascinating to me because it's showing me ancient humans trying to deal with this gigantic mystery of life, just like doing today. There are people in the news right now that are pastors that are proclaiming that this thing, this COVID-19, is a curse from God because of gay marriage, amongst many other things. I mean, that's happening every single day. Uh, every day there's messages going out right now that this is from God. It's a plague sent from God. And you can understand why a lot of people are turned off to religion or turned off to the concept of a God who sends plagues. And I'm one of them. I don't believe that. I used to. Funny enough, I really did. I, uh, I thank God I, I've evolved out of that. But that doesn't mean the Bible's not fascinating to me because these are real people. It's not God's word, but it's words of people about their view of God and the world they live in. And it was confusing, and it still is today. People are still struggling. I mean, despite knowing so much more, knowing what's below our feet and what's above us in the sky and seeing our universe and the cosmos, we haven't answered the big questions. We really don't know where we come from, and we have no idea where we're going. But here we are in this mystery called life, and we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to cope. Because to be alive is, to a certain degree, to be insane. To have this level of consciousness with these big questions unanswerable, that can drive somebody crazy. It does me anyways. So, let's get back to, to the plagues. Yeah, people are saying this COVID-19 is a plague. I don't believe that. Shit happens. Good stuff and bad stuff. And like Zoroaster, though I don't know what's behind the universe, I choose to believe that ultimately the most powerful thing in the universe, far more powerful than the bad and the evil, is the good. I choose to design my own God. And the God I've designed is one that is benevolent and one that is loving. So I don't see God in the plague. I see God in the first responders. I don't see God as raining down this disease upon us. I see God and people that are suiting up and going in and risking everything to try to bring somebody else health and healing. Wow. That's the God I choose to believe in. That's the ultimate authority in what's behind the universe. It's this thing called love. Uh, the most powerful thing in the cosmos to me is love. Where does that emanate from? I don't know, but I'm choosing to believe if there's a God behind this, whatever that God is, that God is a God of love. And that God may be powerless. I don't believe in an all-powerful God because if he had the power to actually stop things and he's not, then he's just a dickhead. So I don't believe in an all-powerful God, but I believe in the power of love. And I believe that in the end, love wins. Like Zoroaster, somewhere in the end, love is better than hate. Uh, healing is better than killing. I guess that's why I have an affinity for Jesus. Jesus comes onto the scene 
And the Jews have now modified their beliefs. Uh, the Jews, like I said before, believed in one God. I believed in a God that was uh, responsible for everything. And, uh, but that evolved. Like if you look at Satan in the book of Job, Satan in the book of Job was one of God's angels doing God's work. Later that evolved and that evolved because of a guy named Plato and that evolved because of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered uh, the Jewish territory and lands and the, and the Jews were Hellenized. They were introduced to Greek culture. And this Greek culture introduced them to the philosophers, uh, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato. Plato had uh, promoted the idea of eternality, the eternal soul. Original Jews and early Judaism didn't believe in an afterlife. They believed ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You were born, you lived. If you followed God's laws and obedience, you lived long. If you didn't, you got cursed. What was the problem? Well, we saw good people obeying God's laws still get cursed. And we saw really evil people prospering. That was a problem, a problem with evil. That was called a theodicy, a problem with evil. How do we reconcile that? Well, that's when we found the scapegoat and Satan became the scapegoat. Now Satan, the word itself just means adversary. The adversarial, the flip side of the coin, the yin and the yang, the black and the white, the good and the evil. And Satan became the personification of evil. Now, when the Jews introduced, were introduced to the Greek gods and to uh, Greek mythology, uh, they began to see things that they could adapt, like Hades, like judgment, eternal life. That could reconcile the problem with evil. Everything happens, shit happens in the world, and then you die, and then comes a judgment. And the righteous people who got screwed over, now they're going to be rewarded. And the evil people who lived large, now they're going to be punished. And they adopted that into their religion. And that's the way it was when Jesus came on the scene. Um, Jesus' day, the theology was, if you were a leper, you were sinning. You did something to deserve that. Leprosy was a plague. One of my favorite scenes in the Bible, though, is a leper approaches Jesus. Now, in Judaism, in that day called the Second Temple time period, if a leper came near someone, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. And then people would pick up, including rabbis, stones, and drive that person's away as stones throw distance, social distancing. One day, Jesus is approached by a leper, and he begs him for healing and help. And I guess Jesus could have lobbed it over, but he didn't. He gloved up, but not really. He closed the distance, came to that leper, and did something that the leper had not experienced for I don't know how many years. Human touch. He held him in his hands, and he healed him. Now, that would have been shocking to the crowd. And immediately, like, Anybody with an infection, people would have been running away from Jesus. Like, what the hell did he just do? He just touched a freaking leper. But that's what I see in Jesus. I see in the wake of his passage through earth, a wake of healing, of fixing broken things. It's a, it's a beautiful Jewish tradition that has evolved called the tikkun olam, the reparation of the world. And we see it active in Jesus. He was fixing the broken shit in the world. And that is powerful. He was a fixer. So my encouragement to you is in the midst of this plague, 
Well, is God responsible? Maybe. But if that's the way God is, God is an asshole, and we're all pretty much screwed anyway, so I don't really care. But I'm certainly not bending my knee to that God and giving it any kind of, like, fidelity or, or worship. No, uh-uh. I can kiss my ass. Uh, but I, I don't believe that. I still think what ticks behind the universe, what really is, what really resonates, what really touches me deeply and maybe you, is love. Acts of love, sacrificial love. I'm inspired right now, despite everything that's happening, I'm inspired by these people, by these healthcare professionals. Hell, I'm inspired by my friend Gail working at Vons right now and her leadership in the community of Ojai telling us how to get food. I'm, I'm inspired by the uh, Middle Eastern guys that have a, a, a market where you can't go in and take all the toilet paper but they disperse and share it and they help you with smiles on their face and they call me brother in the midst of this pandemic. I, I'm, in, I'm really inspired by a lot of people right now and I wanna be inspired by more and I wanna be an inspiration. I wanna be a fixer. I wanna help people. That's where I see my God. That's what I'm choosing to believe and design my God after. What's your God like? Mine, benevolent, loving, a fixer. When you look out at the world, what do you see? Just all the horror? Or do you see inspiration? Do you see love and think like that's, that's the more powerful stuff. That's what I believe. In the end, love wins. And in the end, we're all gonna be okay. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.